I'll tell you what. Russia must have the best troop morale of all time. Especially if, you know, you just get back from deployment or basic training and you're hanging around the Sparrow School. Right around the time they get into that chapter in the Sparrow School training, which is like, okay, okay, we're going to go and give our troops warm welcome so you may practice sex moves on them. Yes, yes. Wow, here we are for the weirdest ballet story of all time, guys. This is uh, this is quite the film. And uh, I will say, to connect it back to the trailer of last week's episode, that my expectations were shattered uh, in good ways, I'm going to say. Because, you know, I expected Red Sparrow to have kind of an atomic blonde feeling to it, which it didn't, which is cool. I liked atomic blonde, but I'm glad Red Sparrow wasn't that. Red Sparrow is much more of a political thriller spy movie, I guess. Not even a political thriller, because it's not saying anything politically. But it's definitely a spy flick, much more so than Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde is much more of an action flick, whereas this is much more of a traditional spy flick. Now, when this movie starts, I had no idea she wasn't already a spy. She's dancing around, doing ballet, really pretty, tippy-toes, do-do-do-do-do, doing a little tippy-toe dance. I expect her to do some sort of wacky cartwheel and fling a knife at some senator in the front row from America or something. I totally expected that to happen. But no, that's not what happened. And that was the first thing I didn't expect in this movie. And that was a welcome surprise. I did not expect in this movie for her to just be a civilian who was an uh, I guess they call him a prima ballerina, like the best of the best that worked for this major ballet playhouse. Like, I guess it's called Balshoi. Balshoi? Balshoi? I'm not sure how to say it. Sorry. Sorry, ballerinas. And in Russians, all my Russian friends that I know. But I didn't expect that. I expected her to already be the expert. And that was a direction this movie took that I did not expect whatsoever. And that was awesome. Now, I am going to spoil this, so please be warned. I know that we say that. I know that's written in the, in the show notes, or at least it's written in the podcast description. But I always like to remind people that this will be spoiled. So that said, essentially, she's a ballerina that suffers a career-ending injury. It's an accident. She's got no place to go, no money. She doesn't know what to do. Her uncle, who's this really creepy dude, real creepy Russian, he's like, yeah, hello, hello. You're like my sexy niece. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be like some Game of Thrones shit if I have my way. That's kind of the vibe you get from this guy, and that's the right vibe to have because that's that's definitely how he is. But we'll get to that later. Essentially, he works for the state, you know, spy shit. And uh, he tasks her with his job, and he says, look, you're not going to get money for your sick mom. She's got a sick mom, of course. And apparently the ballet was footing her bills, her mom's medical bills, all this shit. Now that she's broken, not going to be ballet anymore and all of this shit, they decide that they're going to you know, give her this task. One of the reasons they decide they're going to give her this task is because the uncle gives information that her leg getting broken was not an accident. It was set up by the number two ballerina in the line, like some black swan shit. And she beats their faces in with a golf club. And I think that's when uncle is like, oh, she's sexy and deadly, perfect spy for Mother Russia. And that's exactly what happens. They decide that they're going to turn her into a spy. They don't really give her much of a choice because on the first mission where she gets raped, which is terrible, by the way, obviously I'd heard that was in the movie. Um, And the guy that's raping her gets garroted 
and bleeds and dies all over her from some other mysterious man in a motorcycle helmet. She's then kind of left with a choice. Do you want to do what we ask you to do or not? And by the way, we don't like witnesses to our state-sponsored executions. So clearly, she chooses to go into the spy school. She's not happy, of course, but she's simply motivated by her mom. That's something else I didn't expect in this movie. I expected a dyed-in-the-wool, stone-cold Russian spy, pro-state, love-mother-Russia, badass fighter chick. And that's not what this movie is. And that was a pleasant surprise. She wants to keep her mother safe. She doesn't want to die. She wants to keep her mother with the appropriate medication. Apparently, her mother's dying, of course, right? She doesn't want her mother to die, clearly. So she takes the job, and she knows we'll take care of her because the theater company's going to be like, sorry, bitch, you don't dance, you don't dance on your tippy toes, you out. Get out of here. We need tippy toe dancers. And since you're not a tippy toe dancer anymore, you cannot be part of our show. So she, does, uh, she goes the spy route, and there's a lot of interesting stuff when she takes the spy route. I will say that. There's really cool stuff going on in this movie that I didn't really expect. And the first was she's not a badass. She's a petite girl. And she doesn't have a fighting background. And she's not going to need her fighting background because she doesn't really fight much in this movie. It's all spy shit. Now, I want to break into the spy. I want to open up. Let's, let's peel back the layers of what exactly the spy shit means. What is it? that that means it's it's pretty basic it is she's learning to manipulate people to get information to give information to get close to use relate to build relationships and then to exploit those relationships right we talked about that a little bit in the atomic blonde episode which i've mentioned twice now we covered that on our other show the science fiction film podcast and that's kind of what we see here but they push it a little further in this movie because we get into a lot of sexuality stuff. Now, I know that there's a lot of people upset with the sexuality that occurs in this movie. Obviously, nobody likes to see rape happen. That's terrible. But I think there's other things going on too. I think, I think we have a, um, a very puritanical approach to sex. I think we look at our genitals as these like uh, holy grails. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily healthy. I'm not besmirching anyone who thinks their, their, their cock is the holy hand grenade, although you might want to rethink that. And uh, we have a lot of hangups about it because there's a lot of moments where she's using her sexuality to get information, which makes sense when you look like Jen Lawrence, right? When you look like Jen Lawrence, you can use your sex to manipulate people in the super spy thriller movie because let's be real, guys. We're pretty simple. We're easy to manipulate, especially when it comes to that, especially when it comes from the likes of her, right? A solid Los Angeles nine, okay? solid, right? A lot of guys would probably sell out their mother-in-law for like a Wisconsin four. So let's just be real about that. So of course, the school is designed around manipulating men this way, using sex as a weapon against these people, which is what we see play out in this movie. But they, they do it in an interesting way. It's not just smut. You know, it's not really like that. And that's one of the things I thought was interesting about that. Obviously, her mom doesn't really approve of her decision to go for the state, and she knows once you're in there, you're never going to really get out. And um, she's concerned, but she doesn't really have a choice. They don't have money, so 
she kind of begrudgingly accepts her daughter's decision to go to this charm school, essentially. And this is underlaid with the CIA. So the CIA is going to be part of this because we got to get Joel Edgerton in this movie. And his name is Nate Nash. And he's essentially working with a Russian mole who's giving the U.S. tons of great intelligence, bunch of great information. And basically what's going to happen is she is going to get tasked with getting close to him, intimate, and then attempting to get the information about who that mole is so they can button up that, right? They got a hole in their ship. They're taking on water. They need to patch it up, but they can't find the hole. Insert ballerina chick. So that's, the, that's, that's how it goes. Now, here's where the movie spent some time. And I, I did gather this from the trailer, which is her training. So they spend time putting her through a series of tests. And it's not even physical tests. It's spy shit. How to pick locks. How to recognize what people want, right? The beginning of this movie, uh, or, or not the beginning, but when they get to the training, it has this great quote spoken by the matron who runs the Sparrow School. And she says, every human being is a puzzle of need. You must learn to intuit what is missing. Become the missing piece and they will give you anything. Damn, she is right. She is right. We are simple creatures of need. And if people can provide those needs to us, they fit into the puzzle, don't they? And that's what they preach at the Sparrow School. You know, I thought about that quote quite a bit. It's very much a quote that you've seen. You've seen many different, you've seen many variables of it. You've seen many renditions, many, many recurring motifs of that, especially in the sales world, right? Needs assessment essentially is what the matron says at the Sparrow School. You're conducting a needs assessment. You're learning about what these people need. And you are, not want, need. Which might be, might be aligned with some people, right? What we want, what we need might be aligned, not necessarily, right? Because sometimes you might need something you're not sure you even need it, but you definitely do. And then there are times where you want the thing you need and you need the thing you want, right? Think about it. So that's... That's the goal of the Sparrow School. The goal is to make sure you capitalize on that. And the only way to do that is to have an alertness to you. And that's where I'm going to pause right here. Because in this movie, the star of the movie, Jennifer Lawrence, is instantly very good at spy stuff. Now, we're dealing with a movie. We've got to move the plot along. I get it. She can't be a dunce. If she's bad at it, there is no movie. She has to be good at it. But let's expound our imaginations a little and think of maybe why. Because that's what I did. I thought, why does she stand out? Why is she missing the clues at the school that the other, that the other men or women aren't getting? And it occurred to me that she is a prima ballerina, or was until she got her leg broken, and by, by the Russian Tanya Harding. And um, you don't just become the best ballerina. To do the tippy-toe dancing, to do the tippy-toe dancing, you got to put in a lot of hours. It takes dedication, focus, sacrifice, all of that stuff. Repetition over and over and over and over again. And being fit and taking care of yourself and learning and studying and countless hours. And like anything worth doing that you're going to be good at. 
which takes me back to the Miyusashi Mushido quote, whatever the fucking guy's name. <laughs> Boy, did I butcher that guy's name. Uh, uh, Miyamoto Musashi, I guess. The Book of Five Rings, right? This is a quote Joe Rogan says on his, on his show a lot, which is, if you know the way broadly, you'll see it in all things. And I thought about that quote in watching this movie because it made me think of the Red Sparrow. The Red Sparrow is a great ballerina. So you would imagine some of that focus and discipline and sacrifice and hard work is going to pay off for her, is going to set her above a normal person, right? Pro athletes are are different. They're not equal. They're better at a lot of things than you are, right? Sometimes it's because they have some genetic gifts. Sometimes it's because they work their ass off. And sometimes it's because of both, usually both, especially at a pro level. But I digress. My point is, we don't know the backgrounds of anyone else at the Sparrow School, but we do know hers. We do see that she was a prima ballerina. Awesome. To the point where the theater company is footing all her bills, plus her mom's medical expenses, which can't be cheap because it's like the MacGuffin sickness. We don't know what the issue is other than it's not good if she doesn't get her medicine. She's probably going to die. So she's pretty good. And I guess we can see her skills, whatever made her a great ballerina, applicable to her skills here. But with this serious leg injury... She's not a combat machine, and I liked that. That's not her, that's not what she does. She manipulates and she learns. And the lesson, the every human being is a puzzle of need, that's something she's really good at understanding. As a pretty girl, she's probably used to understanding lusting men, right? She's probably used to that. She probably can see it a mile away, and she can use her skills very well. Looking like she looks is a huge bonus. We're pretty easy to manipulate, ladies, if you didn't know. Now, that said, there's cool lessons that happen in this. And there's one really wacky moment that I want to talk about. There's this moment in this movie when she's training where essentially, (laughs) essentially, she's attacked in a shower at the school. This guy gets big ideas like he's going to rape her. And she manages to get a weapon. I guess she takes the, the handle off the shower and turns around and belts him in the cheek and eye and just wails on him relentlessly over and over again, turns him into a bloody pulp, busts his face to pieces. Needless to say, the rape was thwarted. Now, that said, the follow-up scene is so weird, which is, you know, she kind of gets in trouble. They talk, I don't remember all the detail. But the point is, it, it comes to a moment in the classroom, which in this classroom, they're fond of bringing people up in front of the class and humiliating them in getting them to take their ego out of this thing, right? Getting them to stop worshiping their genitals, essentially, right? It's kind of what they're doing. They're, they're trying to break them down and to make it, to make it a profession. They, you know, they, they pejoratively refer to themselves as whores sometimes. She's like, you, you sent me to that whore school. And that's what they're doing. They're trying to make it a profession. They're trying to take emotion out of it. They're trying to take righteousness out of it so they can be better spies. And boy, are they going to really push it this time because essentially they have the guy that she beat the shit out of when he's done recovering, come into the classroom and the matron's like, he's going to have sex with you now. Essentially. I don't remember the exact dialogue. So Jen Lawrence derobes, you've seen the preview and she takes over. There's no sex. Thank God. Cause that would have been really awkward. She says, no, this is what we're going to do. She's like, take off your pants. Yes. I guess you could call that a dick. Not quite though. Are you going to fuck me or what? Right, she's doing this thing. Not exactly like that. I'm making a joke here, but she's doing it like that. She's dominating him. She's 
saying, what are you waiting for? Let's go. Come on. You're going to fuck me or what? You puss. Let's go. Fucking skin that smoke wagon. Get to work, boy. That's what she does. And it humiliates him. He gets flaccid. He can't fuck her. He leaves. And the moral of the story is she turns the matron, patron, matron, whatever the fuck she is, and says power. Meaning power was what he desired. We're all, right? Back to the quote. We are all uh, creatures of need. Every human is a puzzle of need. She knew what he needed. And by denying it to him, he lost his power in that moment, which was definitely good for Jen Lawrence or the Red Sparrow, as it were. And I just thought, wow, what a scene. I mean, it's, you go, whoa. And it's kind of shocking, but it's also kind of cool. I thought it was interesting. And it showed you that she knew what to do under the stress, how to react, and and how to know, and, and how to see through his need or right to his need and then deny it him because she doesn't want to lose to him. She wants to win. Obviously she doesn't want to get raped by him either. And it was, and it worked for her and it was, and it was pretty, it was a pretty bold scene. I will say that it's definitely a bold moment in movies. You don't see that every fucking day. So they train some more and essentially she's tasked with being close to this guy. And that's where some of this cool spy stuff comes into it, right? She goes and she, watches him at the pool and she figures out when he's going to be swimming. And then she, she waits under the tunnel and she comes up to the pool right when she times it. She like looks at a clock, I believe right when he's going to come out of the pool and walk by, she knows if I walk by him in, in this moment, looking like I look with this particular bathing suit, we know he's a heterosexual. We know some information on him already. He's going to look at me. He's going to, he's going to be, he's going to double take and he a hundred percent does a double take. Right. He's like, wow. And that's it. That's how it starts. But then it gets a little more, and then it's, and then it's, oh, accidentally, oh, hello. And then he, he's like, oh, well, which, who are you? And she's like, oh, no, playing hard to get. I like this. She's playing hard to get with the guy. And in, and in one point in the movie, she's got a partner, and the partner's like, you know, a blowjob works. She's like, just give him blowjob. It works every time. And, and that's when the red spouse says, oh, no, no, not with this guy. This guy's different. And she sussed that out right away just by knowing who he is. So she long cons him to get close to him. Now, on the other side of this, he steals her ID. He starts getting information on her and he knows who she is, who her uncle is, who everything is, which gets into this whole thing about privacy in general. You know, an amateur hacker can make your life hell, let alone a CIA agent with the power of Washington right? They can find out information on you. It doesn't matter how you think you're hiding. They're going to find it, even when you're a Russian spy. And that's one of the things I thought was a cool difference in this movie versus a lot of spy movies, which was the truth comes out about her so quickly about how she was a ballerina, how she was this, how her uncle works for them, and what was she doing? And she says, I was tasked with getting close to you. She, she outright tells him, which if you're Russian command, you're like, what are you doing? But then it makes sense because if you lie to him, you're going to get pinched. So she just tells the truth and it adds another layer of intrigue onto it. On the one hand, you're pulling back a layer only to find an extra layer that you didn't know was there because you don't know her motivation. We kind of know the audience because we know she's got a sick mom. She's never been, you never get the impression that she worships the state or Russia or anything like that. You do know that she cares about her mom. They're very close. The movie makes that clear and it's awesome. So when she's pinched, 
when they know they have to, right? They, they, she has to tell them the truth. And that's a cool thing in spy movies. When the spy just says, I was told to watch you. I was told to get close to you, to, to get information from you. It makes the movie more interesting when you do that kind of shit. Because then it becomes a question of motivation. And then when she goes back to Russia, she's like, yeah, he knew everything about me. What do you expect me to say? I had to tell him that. Now he'll trust me. He'll trust me because I'm telling him the truth. And I'm still working for you guys because I'm getting close to him like you asked. And it becomes this very dangerous, high intrigue game. Very much a thriller. And I like that. That's one of the cool things about this movie. I mean, there's a moment where she endures torture, torture, torture. They beat the shit out of her in Russia because they think she fucked up this major thing and they beat her up and then they're, they're going to shoot her and they don't. And then you realize, she says, I'm, 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 when I go back, they'll have to trust me. When I go back to America, they'll have to trust me. Look what you've done to me. It's great. It's a great moment to show her perseverance, her endurance, her fortitude. And those are the traits of this character, right? We talked about folks and everything that might maybe made her a great ballerina, but she's got... She's got razor-sharp instincts and, and such fortitude. She's so tough. She takes beatings just to get deeper undercover, but she's serving herself the whole time, and that's awesome. She cares about her mother. She's got it in for her uncle. She wants revenge on her uncle, which, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, she gets at the end of the movie. And that's something that just works well in this film. I liked it. I liked that it wasn't... There's maybe three gunshots in this movie. Maybe. I don't think there's more than three gunshots. There is some gruesome moments as a great torture. She tortures Nash in front of this Russian guy to, to, to further put herself undercover. They like skin, they fucking have a skin grafting and ripping flesh off his body. It's so bonkers. And then of course they turn on him, they, they kill him and things of this nature. But it is, it is really cool, man. I dug this movie. It might be a hair long. It's two hours and 20 minutes. It, it feels like it's a little bit long for sure. Like you probably could have trimmed some stuff out of it. But before I before I move into wrapping this up, there's another, there's two other sections of this movie I want to talk about, or just the idea of this movie, which is number one, I want to talk about this. This is another quote from the Sparrow School. Inure yourself to what you find repellent. Find beauty in the human delusions that the pleasures of the flesh will make us whole again. Even when the subject is repellent, the body can be tricked. You must learn to love on command. That sounds like a fancy way to, to teach hookers how to like pretend they're into their clients. <laughs> That's essentially what she's saying. But she's saying it in a much more clinical fashion, in a much more intellectual, for lack of better terms, fashion, which is separate yourself from these things so you can better serve the state. And that's what she has to do. I mean, we do see her get intimate with Nash. We get the feeling, we get the impression based on their chemistry and how they interact that they definitely like each other. I think that's kind of human nature when you have these two people in this stressful situation. So I thought that that was something that they definitely used to full effect in this movie using sexuality to get what they want to get. It's a thing, it's a real thing, and it's been happening since forever. And it's going to continue to happen into the future. And I thought this movie handled it pretty well. Outside of a pretty disturbing moment where she gets raped in the movie right up front, which kicks off her whole this whole thing, I, I felt like she was in command of that shit after those moments. And that was kind of cool. The other thing I want to talk about in this movie is the idea of deep cover. 
I like to talk about the film Donnie Brasco when I think of deep cover. A guy that goes so deep that he actually likes the guys that he has to bust. And when he busts the guy, the guy's getting dragged away in handcuffs saying, I love you, don't worry, I'm not going to tell him anything. I mean, that level of deep cover, that tragic irony of deep cover, that is something that I, I like in this movie, but it has a different flavor because of what I said at the beginning, which is this thing where you don't know what her motivation is. Come to find out her motivation is revenge. She's got it out for her brother. She ends up framing her brother as the mole. He's not the mole. I'm not going to tell you who the mole is just in case you do want to watch the movie after hearing this. I know I've spoiled a couple things, but I won't spoil the major who's the mole ending. Um, but she sets up the brother as the mole, basically, because she, or the uncle, because she wants revenge on him. He's a piece of shit. You sent me to a whorehouse. You, you did these terrible things to me. You didn't help me. Right? The brother had the means. He could have, I mean, the uncle had the means. He could have helped out. He could have helped out with mom's bills. But no, he used her. And that's something she couldn't abide by, which was awesome. The truth quote is something I wrote down in this movie too, because this is, this is part of what I love about this movie. The truth. There is no other mission but this one. Follow the new trail wherever it leads. Sacrifice wherever it has to be sacrificed if they have my real name. If they have my real name, if they have Swan, if you torture me, they will trust me. How could they not? You don't want to give up now. Send me back. Let me finish what I started. That's another big part of this movie, this idea of trust. She's telling them, I told the truth because it'll endear me to him, which is my mission. That's why I told me. I'm not, why are you torturing me about this? And now that you've tortured me and I've endured and I've been stubborn, I can use that to further prove my point. But when she goes back there, she just uses it to further herself with the American agenda, which is awesome. And that's some of the deep layers of this movie that I really appreciated. Awesome. Really cool. And finally, I will say this. I think Jen Lawrence is terrific. The cast is great. They do a great job. Jeremy Irons, Joel Edgerton, um, the rest of the cast. I'm not going to get into naming everyone. Syrian Hines, it was cool to see him again. But I dug it. I thought it was a cool movie. Like I said, it might be a, a hair long. It's worth checking out. I'm not going to spoil the major, major spoiler, even just because just blurting it out without having a conversation around it doesn't really make sense to me. There's no reason for me to do that. <laughs> There's no reason for me to say, blah, if I'm not going to go off on a 10-minute tangent about why that's cool. But it is really cool. I think you'll appreciate why once you watch that part of the movie because it plays into the very end of the movie, which I guess I won't spoil either because it's kind of a thriller. But it has a lot going for it. It definitely shattered my expectations in, in different ways. It, it, it started in a way I didn't expect it to. I knew there was going to be some closeness, some subduction, some of that stuff. It, it then also took a left turn when it was Nash finds out all this crap about her right away. So she has to give him the truth. And then she's using the truth to further her agenda. She's, she's using the truth to further her lie, which is really cool. And, uh, and it's just great performances, good suspense, good intrigue. I like the cinematography, cool music. And, um, and, it was, and it had a pretty satisfying ending, I would say. So yeah, it's, it's worth a look. I would highly recommend checking it out. I would say if I had to uh, break it down with my scale, didn't like it or, or, or hated it, didn't like it, like it, loved it, I would say I liked it for sure. Which brings me to our next episode. Next time... On real quick, we're going to be talking about the film First Reformed, right, man? It's going to be, uh, we're going into some church stuff, some church drama. This is also a thriller. Um, change of pace here from the, the straight action kind of stuff we've been doing. I know Red Sparrow's not much action, but 
Essentially, iTunes says this about this. We got Reverend Ernest Toller, played by Ethan Hawke. He's a solitary middle-aged parish pastor at a small Dutch Reformed church. And uh, essentially, uh, he's got dwindling parishioners. They're losing out to this other larger state-of-the-art church. And then a pregnant woman shows up and, and, and wants counsel from the good Reverend Ethan Hawke. Uh, because of her her husband's radical environmentalist thoughts, so this clergyman finds himself plunged into this into his own tormented past and a despairing future, and um, that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. So I'm looking forward to seeing First Reformed. It's definitely a change of pace for me. I'm wondering how it's going to turn out, and um, I expect good things. I think it's got great ratings. I've been on this real religious conspiratorial Knights Templar Illuminati. Uh, it's all connected kick. <laughs> so um, I know that's not this, but as it's in my frame of mind and I see Ethan Hawke dressed in the cloth, I thought, all right, I'll give it a shot. It's probably got some cool drama, thriller action to it. And that's exactly what it says it has. So I'm looking forward to it. Why don't we watch the uh, trailer now? So how are you? Oh, I'm fine. No, really. It's been a while since we've talked. Even a pastor needs a pastor. Did you see the doctor? You need someone to take care of you. I want you to be happy. I know that nothing can change, and I know there is no hope. Reverend Toller? Yes, Mary? You must come over. You must come over now. Explosives. She was becoming someone I didn't know. Opportunistic diseases, anarchy, martial law. You will live to see this. She had no idea that he was thinking of. No. I'm so frightened. These kids, they want certainty. You know, don't think, follow. They fall prey to extremism. It's a world without hope. No, I have not lost my faith. Boom. Yeah, man, that looks awesome. I, I expect some I expect some high drama in that. It looks like it's obviously you guys can't see the images. I recommend checking out the trailer though. But I like Ethan Hawke. I like a I like a picture kind of focusing on him and a man who isn't sure what to tell people anymore. And the idea of this oncoming tide of doom that pervades everything we think about. And um the idea of him having his faith challenge and being thrust into this dramatic situation where somebody needs help uh, regarding crazy environmentalism stuff. So yeah, I I think that's going to be a good flick. I'm looking forward to it. I know it has good reviews, so I don't want to read any spoilers on it. Um, I'll handle that next week for you guys. So, all right, next week or next whenever, probably expect these episodes to drop on Fridays, I guess I would say. Yeah, that's probably when we'll do them, Friday, Saturday. But uh, I'm going to get out of here, and uh, and I'm going to go uh, get ready to watch some First Reformed, and we will catch you guys on the flip side. Take it easy. vivid memory of the first time. I was attending my niece's wedding and was at the sink in the men's room when a wet spot on the front of my trousers caught my eye, an unwelcome contribution from my bladder. Fortunately, I was wearing black and with my jacket buttoned, no one would be the wiser anyway, but for me, I knew it was time to see a urologist. Want to laugh during life's most embarrassing moments? LSG can help. Go to libertystreetgeek.net. Podcasters will give you a reason to wet yourself.